Okay, good work, everybody. I just want to um, wish everyone a good, sweet year. It's not too late to give this bracha because as the Shabbos gracious contains the energy of the entire year, so this is a good time, best time, to give bracha to uh, each of us and all of us and all Kal Yisrael. It should be a happy year. And as the uh, Rebbe said, this year is going to be a year of incredible wonders. Ployas Arenu, incredible wonders. When you think about Ployas Arenu, incredible wonders, it sounds like big miracles happening for global events, for larger communities, but for personal, private, smaller things. Are there also place around? Are the miracles? Does miracles also work on a private scale, or only on a on a public scale? Rosie, you want to hear the story? Come, 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 my lap. So I want to share with you tonight two stories, incredible stories. The first story I've heard several times, uh, but it was recently published in the uh, Ami magazine with all the details in their Rosh Hashanah issue. Look at, the, look at the details there, unbelievable story. It's about, Rosie, I want you to come closer to me. I can't say a story when you're so far away. Today's Rosie Miller's birthday. Everyone wish Rosie Miller a happy birthday. So the, um, there was a man who living in, thank you, Rosie Miller. Okay, here's the first story. There was a man who was doing business in Manhattan with someone who didn't look so religious, but he was very familiar with Jewish lexicon. He was very familiar with not just Jewish lexicon, but Talmudic lexicon. And he asked him, he said, you know, I, I, I'm just curious, how do you know so much? So the man told him something actually connected to this Torah portion, we read about the creation of the Leviathan, creation of the Leviathan. He said, when I was a child, I uh, really had a hard time in school. People weren't very nice to me. And uh, my, I was in general by nature an introvert. And my teacher in school was also pretty rough on me. And I remember distinctly one incident in school that really made a, really set me in the wrong direction. What happened was in school, we were learning about the Leviathan. And the teacher says that uh, God plays with this fish that God created, this huge fish that God created on uh, during the six days of creation. God spends hours every day playing with this fish, playing with this with this uh, Leviathan. So it sounded very crazy, very intriguing. So I raised my hand. But before I could say anything, the teacher shut me down and says, don't ask any questions. All your questions are just foolish. And I remember thinking then, Okay, and I decided from then on that I just don't belong in this Jewish religious school and this whole learning Torah thing wasn't for me. I decided from then on, I'm just not going to continue on with my studies. But I was, wasn't, I was only a little child. So I kept on going, studying in elementary school, but I got to high school, I already left Judaism as much as I could. And, you know, and that's, that's what happened to me. And many years passed. 
and I'm driving and listening to the radio. And on the radio, I hear an announcement. There's a little child who was lost in the Catskills. You did, I thought you were second, so I didn't hear yet. A little child lost in the Catskills and the search party is looking for this child, is really trying hard to find the child, but they are afraid that when the um, sun sets and it's dark, it will be impossible to find the child. They're really trying hard, but they can't find this child and it's almost, in, and, and nighttime is approaching. So as this guy is driving, he just identified so much with this child. He felt like he's the child. And he started praying to God, God, help this child come home. I promise you, God, if you help this child come home, I will come home to you, God. Help this child come home and I'll come home to you too. That's, that's what he told God. And the announcers on the radio station are announcing again, it's getting close to nighttime. We don't know if they'll find the child. And he prays again, he's crying, God, help this child come home. By the next morning, they announced on the radio, thank God they discovered they found the child, the child was okay, and they brought the child home. So now that, thank God, his heartfelt prayer was heard by God, he felt he should fulfill his vow. And he went to a temple that was near his house. He knocks the door of the temple, and a female rabbi answers the door, how can I help you? This didn't seem familiar to him at all. He was brought up in Orthodox, the real traditional way, and he just decided this wasn't for him. He leaves the temple, he goes around the block, and he sees someone rushing, it was Rosh Hashanah. Someone's rushing down the street, and he's like, where are you going? Going to synagogue. Oh, where's the synagogue? And he, and he, some basement, you know, dingy, not like a real fancy synagogue at all. But as soon as he came in, he just felt at home. He felt like, ah, this is my place. He stayed there for Shoshana. He stayed there for Yom Kippur. He stayed there for Sukkot. He stayed there for Shabbos Bracious. After a couple of weeks in the synagogue, there's a Kiddush. And a little rabbi's son is running around in the Kiddush. And someone says to uh, this man, do you see that miracle child over there? That's, that's the miracle child. So what do you mean the miracle child? You know the story? Just about a, a month and a half ago, the rabbi's son was lost in the Catskills. And then there was a search party and they really couldn't find him. But miraculously, they found him. That's the child. All of a sudden he realized that the child he was praying for was the son of the rabbi who had brought him close to fulfill his vow to Hashem and bring him back to God and bring him back to Torah. The story doesn't end there. So he's telling this whole story to, this, to his business acquaintance in Manhattan. So his business acquaintance says to him, did you ever get an answer to your question about the Leviathan? Did you ever get an answer to that question? He says, no, I never got an answer. All right. Now this businessman, he decided that day to join the mitzvah tank on Fifth Avenue, the Chabad mitzvah tank parks there daily, tell people, passerbys to do mitzvahs, to put on tefillin, learn about other mitzvahs. And this businessman decided that he wants to be part of this. He, had, he, he wasn't really from a Hasidic family at all, but he learned what incredible merit that these young boys have in helping people put on doing mitzvahs, to put on tefillin. He wanted to be part of the action. So he goes to the mitzvah tank and he wants to like help out there. And he had a friend there on the mitzvah tank, and he tells the friend on the mitzvah tank this whole story. Wow, an incredible story. And someone, an older man, knocks on the door of the mitzvah tank, and he opens the door of the mitzvah tank, and the guy comes on, and he says, do you want to put on tefillin? I put on tefillin already. I just like mitzvah tanks. I, whenever I pass a mitzvah tank, I just come in and say hello. Okay, great. 
was like, can I have a cup of water? Sure, they give him a cup of water. Hey, you're having a cup of water, you're in the mitzvah tank, why don't you share, why don't you share a Dvar Torah for us? Share a thought of Torah. Share a thought of Torah? Sure, I'll share a thought of Torah. I have an incredible thought of Torah. Now, what he shared, and it's printed in the Army magazine, I don't know the source of it, but this is what he shared. He said, I just heard a teaching of the Lubavitcher Rebbe. The Rebbe said that it says in the Talmud, Hashem plays Leviathan every single day. And I always wondered what that means. And here I learned a talk of the Rebbe that says that because God created a male and female Leviathan, and Hashem right away caused the female Leviathan to die and to be preserved for the righteous when Mashiach will come. So the male Leviathan has been lonely since the six days of creation. It doesn't have anybody in its world. And therefore, God pays special attention to the Leviathan, so the Leviathan shouldn't be lonely. Wow. So this businessman called up his acquaintance, and he have to tell you what I just heard. He told him this idea, and the guy started to cry and cry and cry. He's crying because he was Leviathan. The story of loneliness was his own story. And just like God takes pays special attention to Leviathan, Hashem had caused him to, by Hashem's special attention, for him to come home. It wasn't just a random story. His story of estrangement from Judaism, rediscovering it, was really linked to the Torah. It's like it says in Tanya, that every soul has connection to Torah, and through that connection to the Torah, connects to God. Somehow, his fascination with Leviathan was his own life story. That's the first story I want to share with you tonight. But since some of you were in Shul and Yom Kippur, you heard the story before. So I, want to, I don't want to disappoint. I don't have a second story in the same theme. You didn't hear the story yet, Razel Merrill. By the way, today's Razel Merrill's birthday, and I'm very, very proud of Razel Merrill. The second story was in the same theme. And the idea is we should never feel alone. When Hashem says to us, he's going to show us incredible wonders in the, this year, we shouldn't feel that's like a global thing, the Jewish people. We have to realize it's a personal thing. And Hashem pays special attention to everyone, and miracles and wonders aren't hard for him. As we say every day in the Shema, I am the Lord your God who took you out of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. We emphasize this two times to say that God doesn't just take care of big problems when there are things that harm all the Jewish people, but God takes care of each of us. We have one tiny small issue, our own little Mitzrayim. God pays attention to us. So following the story of a woman named Leah Rivka Arkush, who was the Rebbe's emissary in Binghamton. In 1962, she was 10 years old. And her father was in a terrible car accident. The medics pronounced him dead on the spot. But after a while, they realized he was still, he still had a pulse. And what happened was that his sternum was broken. It was resting on his heart. And they really didn't have too much hope for him. But uh, he, slowly, slowly, he started to recover. Her mother, Leah Rivka's mother, their last name was Greenbaum, by the way, or maiden name. Leah Rivka Greenbaum was, her mother would always go to visit her father in the hospital. She wanted to bring her children, but they, were, they weren't religious, from a religious family at all, and they were very poor. They had no money for the bus. The, the mother, especially, they had no money for the bus because their father wasn't working. And only the mother could go on the bus because they couldn't afford to bring the kids on the bus. So she would go, just to show you how poor they were, she would go on the bus by herself, leave the kids by themselves, and they really had nothing. 
out of the clear blue sky, the Rebbe calls up Rabbi Aaron Dov Safranol Vashon, who was the headmaster of the Chabad schools in London. The Rebbe calls him up and says, what's going on with the Grant family? I know the Grant family is, Rabbi Safran says. The Grant family, you know who they are? The Grant family, they have a child registered in your school. He had no idea who the Grant family was, but he discovered that the Greenbaum family had changed their name to Grant, and perhaps that's what the Rebbe meant. They had a daughter who was not registered in their elementary school. She was registered in their Sunday school. So he calls over the girl, Leah Rivka. The Rebbe is inquiring about your family. What's going on? She's 10 years old. She says, not, her mother had warned her, don't tell anybody what's going on with her family. No one is allowed to know. It's our family. It's our private news. Our dad's in the hospital. No one's allowed to know. But, but Rabbi Safran pushed and asked again, what's going on with your family? What's going on with your family? And finally, she said, what's going on with your father? So he reported this to Rebbe. The Rebbe said, you have to make sure that this family has food to eat. They have no breadwinner right now. And they have to make sure they have all the needs to take care of. Now, remember, this is something that the Rebbe initiated. It wasn't that it was reported to them. No one called the Rebbe at a clear blue sky. The Rebbe calls up Rabbi Safran and says, you have to help the Grant family. And when he reports to the Rebbe, the Rebbe says, make sure they have food on their table. They don't have, their, their, their father is injured, he's not able to work. Make sure they're able to eat. So this led, when their father recovered, he wasn't able to fully work yet. This led to the Lubavitch house in London hiring her father, Lerika's father, to work as an administrator for the Montefiore uh, campsite, which became the, the, the Nissen houses, and other things, other institutions of, of Lubavitch in London, he became sort of like a caretaker to help prepare the grounds. Lubavitch hired him, and that led to their daughter, Leirifka, who sang the story, that led to her to, um, by the way, this story is in my story from Gems. Incredible, it's an incredible book, they don't have it. I recommend everyone get this book called My Story. So Leirifka, went because of this, she stopped going just to, to the Sunday school and going to, and going to public school, going to Lubavitch school on Sunday. She, this led her to join the elementary school. But in elementary school, she felt estranged. She felt not part of the situation because all other girls knew each other. She was just joined the school. No one knew her. She felt not part of it at all. And she decided after two years in the school, she wants to leave the school. Two years was enough. She wants to move on. She just felt like she doesn't belong there. When the Rebbe heard about this, Rebbe called her Bisafin. Rebbe said to him, you have to do whatever you can. It's imperative that she remains in the school. And apparently the girls in the school got a real talking to. And all of a sudden, everyone's friendly. <laughs> everyone's nice. Not because, you know, they're, 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 people are, are terrible. Just, you know, sometimes people get forgotten. And at this point, the story is that Somebody that Hashem always remembers us and, and finds a way. So the Rebbe himself called Rabbi Safran and told him yes, he has to make sure that she feels comfortable in the school. And she started to like it and she wanted to stay. And uh, she, her family needed kosher. She actually ate at Gagi's uh, parents' house, Gagi's family, and at the Luz house and at the... Um, uh, the for three days a week, she, she ate at their houses because her family didn't keep kosher. And the Rebbe often, throughout the time that she was 
studying in elementary school, that would send regards to her. She thought like, just like a cute thing, that would send regards. She didn't realize this was actually a personal message Rebbe had sent several times to her, sending regards to her. In 1971, she actually went with Gagi's mother, Alayla Shom Chaya Clara, to visit the Rebbe together with the Jaffe family. And the Rebbe warmly greeted her. I'm so pleased you are here, the Rebbe said. Thank you so much for coming. And she describes the Rebbe taking her, picking up her letter. The Rebbe had on his desk a stack of hundreds of letters. They just noticed, knew somehow, this is your letter. He pulls the letter out of the stack. The Rebbe says, in your letter, you don't mention all your activities. You don't mention about the Shabbat club that you lead and the youth group that you're leading and this activity and that activity. And the Rebbe says, it's not just quantity, it's also quality. Because when you're dealing with children, it's quality. And you don't mention all the things that you're doing. And that was, was encouraging her to continue doing what she was doing. And um, then she went back to London. Rebbe asked before she came back, when left London, that she should, she had, he had a message for her. And she came, to, she came back to 770. The Rebbe went outside and greeted her on the steps of 770. And Rebbe said to her, um, I just wanted to wish you bon voyage and, you, and in regards to your parents, the personal direct attention. Years later, it's a famous story, but I, I, uh, I always wonder what the detailed story. This is the true, the true version of the story. The, uh, she wanted, or she didn't really want, she, was, she felt she wasn't ready to get married yet. But people in her family, people in the community felt time for her to look for a shidduch. And a certain boy came up. And the Rebbe said, no. So she, okay, it was, which is unusual, by the way. I said, no. But then someone else, the Rebbe said, yes. So she knew what's going on. The Rebbe said, no. The Rebbe said, yes. They told her, something's, something's going on. You have to clarify this. Call up the Rebbe's office. It, it, it's, not, it's, not, it's not clear what's going on. She calls the Rebbe's office. And she starts speaking to the Rebbe's secretary, what's going on? So... Rebbe said, the Rebbe told you not to look into the Shidduch. Okay. So why is a boy saying that the Rebbe said he should look into the Shidduch? So the Rebbe got on the phone. The Rebbe said, the boy should look into the Shidduch because you are an appropriate person and have a good character and therefore he should look for someone like you. But he's not for you. <laughs> That's what they were told her. Yes and no. And him, yes. He, this is what you should look for. This is a good idea for you. It's not a good idea for her. Anyway, so, and then they never told her. Okay, let's make a, so what happens is, she, Baruch Hashem, uh, eventually, uh, looking for a teaching position, Debra instructed her to go to Manchester. And then they never called her back, and said, no, no, not Manchester, go to London. And she said, she was confused. Debra said, didn't you tell me to go to Manchester? Debra said, yes, I changed my mind. Debra said, I changed my mind. You need to be in London, because in London, people will see you in your qualities because you need to find the shidduch. She found out years later that the Rebbe himself paid her tuition from a personal check, not from an institution. The Rebbe paid her tuition. The Rebbe sent three checks for tuition for three years of her schooling. And the, the institution didn't want to cash them this check, but the Rebbe's office said they have to cash the check. They were personally paid for her schooling from the personal check of the Rebbe. And and then when when it came time for her to find a shidduch, they told her who she, what kind of person to look for. Look for someone who knows the entire code of Jewish law. Look for someone who's well versed in Hasidus. And they said, don't feel pressure to look for a shidduch now. 
when the right when the right time comes, you'll know and you'll find the right person. And she, looking back at her life story, she says that she realized she was a she was a poor girl from a, from a non-religious family. She had no connection at all, but somehow Hashem found a way through the Rebbe to guide her entire life. And today, and until um, uh, she, she, and because of this, she went to. Um, well, I've got to mention that I also told Gagi's mother to make sure that her parents were, ha- were happy with her, with her uh, observance of Torah and just a direct connection guiding her throughout her life and how she says how fortunate she was to be, have this direct guidance. And the truth is, it's not just a story about her. As says in Yom Yom, whenever you hear a Hasidic story, you have to know it's, you hear it very internally and personally to feel that we're not alone in this world, to feel that Hashem takes care of each of us. Miracles aren't hard for Hashem. Miracles need to happen. Miracles will happen, especially this year, the year that the Rebbe announced, the year of Ploy Serenu, the year of revealed wonders. May we all see the, immediately the revealed wonder of the coming Mashiach Karim Mamash. I just don't want to share any questions or comments or criticism. Okay. A good work, Rabbi Rieber. Good work, Mrs. Rieber. Good work, Yehuda. Good work, Shalom. Is that our start of the Okay. A good work. Jeff, good work, Beryl, good work, Hansen. Good work, Rabbi. Good work.